Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Christy Johnson. As for me and my house, we've been in this series, and the title of my message is A Breakthrough Praise. Turn to your neighbor and say, A Breakthrough Praise. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles 20, uh, verse 1. And I love this story about worship. We're going to go into this. After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, some of the Menunites, termites, <laughs> declared war on Jehoshaphat. I, I thought I'd add in maybe after this, the armies of fear or our wounds or, you know, depression, insecurity, declared war on me. And, and verse 2, it says, messengers, or our staff, I'm kind of just kind of modernizing. Our staff came and told me and Jeremy, hey, a vast army from Los Angeles is marching against you from beyond the arts district. And they are already on Spring Street or whatever the street. We were terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin what? Fasting. So people from all over the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And Judah means now I will praise him. So in the moment of crisis, they came together and worshiped. In a moment of tragedy, the best thing that we can do is to come together and to pray and to worship. The worst thing we could do in tragedy and problems and crisis is to go and isolate ourselves from everyone else. Because in isolation, there we're left un unprotected, we're left uncovered, we're left to, to be alone in our own thoughts, we're left to fight alone. But guess what? We are not meant to fight alone. That's where we will die in battle. God says in hurt, in pain, we don't retreat. We come together in unity. We join hands and go, hey, you're not alone in this fight. You're not alone in this fight. We're going to fight together. We're going to sing together. We're going to worship together. Amen? We're not going to retreat. We're going to run in. This says we came together. We started fasting. We started praying. Now, can I give you a little bit of backstory, just to bore you a little, hopefully to enlighten you, uh, about Judah, so you understand about this, this, this story. Judah, I want to give you a little bit about the nation of Judah for a second. Is that okay, church? Y'all know the story of Leah and Rachel and Jacob uh, in Genesis. So Leah and Rachel were sisters. Jacob falls in love with Rachel. Rachel was beautiful. It says she was attractive. Uh, Leah, it says that she had weak eyes. I don't, I know, it's very sad. I read it, I'm like, what does that even mean? I'm like, Lord, send you revelation. Is she, is she cross-eyed? Is she like, you know, what is wrong? What is weak eyes? But it says that she, Rachel, was very attractive. So Jacob says, I want to marry Rachel. So he asked her dad. Her dad said, you have to work for me for seven years. He works. He, he finally gets to his wedding night. Uh, and then on his wedding night, the father switches out. Rachel puts Leah in the bed. How does this even happen? It's like Jerry Springer, really. Like, puts Leah in the bed. He sleeps with Leah, wakes up, finds out he sleeps with Leah, freaks out. 
goes to the dad, and he's like, hey, the firstborn has to always get married first. So if you want Rachel, you have to actually get married, you have to work seven more years in order to get Rachel. So he works seven more years. Can you imagine this? He works seven more years. Fourteen years later, he gets married to Rachel. So now he has two wives, like the sister's wife, sister wives. Have you all seen the sister wife? So he's two wives. And, and they're two sisters. Can you imagine as a sister being married to the same dude? I would be like, it's a living, this is a living nightmare. So they're both together, married, this Dr. Phil, huh? <laughs> married, the Bible's real interesting. Y'all should read some of this. And, and so they're married to the same guy, Jacob. And, and it says in the word of God, it talks about how she wasn't chosen. So, so Leah was the one that was never chosen by Jacob. She was, I can imagine she was married to him, but he never even wanted her. She was very unloved. Um, I can imagine all the rejection that she felt. And the way that you felt significant in those times were to have kids. So I, I'm almost there. I want, I want you all to hear this. So she had four children. Everyone say four children. The first one was Reuben, then Simeon, then Levi, and then Judah. The first one, Reuben, means see a son. See a son. See? See, Jacob, don't you see me? See, look, I, I actually am significant. I actually gave you a son. Look, look, aren't I, aren't I lovable? Aren't, aren't I important? Don't you love me? And then, and then she ended up having Simeon, which means heard. Or God heard my cries. Look, God heard my cries. He listened. I'm trying to prove to you that, that I'm important. I'm trying to prove to you that I'm significant. God heard me. I know nobody else kind of, I feel invisible. Have you ever felt a little bit invisible in, a, in the midst of a crowd? I feel invisible. Look, God sees me. She's trying to prove how significant she is. Then she has a third son. His name is Levi, which means attached. Jacob is attached to me. She's sitting here trying to fight. Oh, look, he's still attached. Now the third son in. I've carried on your name. I'm still attached to you now. Now can you see me? Can, now can you love me? I don't want to feel this rejection that I feel. Can, can you see? I, I Look at who, what I've given you. I've given you three sons. Now you're attached. Can, can you please just see me? I, I, aren't I valuable? I'm not worthless, right? And then the fourth son she has is Judah. Judah see, says this. This is what it means. Now I will praise him. Now I will praise him. And, and it's finally like she got done fighting for her worth and for her significance and value to be found in other people. And she says, I'm done with this. I'm done with trying to make Jacob choose me. Now I will praise you. Now I will worship you. And this is the true foundation of worship, Fearless. This is the true essence of worship. When nothing around you has shifted, nothing around you has changed, nothing around you has moved. In fact, it could have even gotten worse. But you say, now, God, I will choose to worship you and I will choose to bless your name. God, no matter if anything changes, some of you are waiting for things to change. And you're prolonging your destiny because you're delaying your praise. God says, don't delay in your praise. It's the very thing that's going to unlock what's in front of you. She goes, finally, I'm just going to worship you. Now I will praise you. 
You know, there's a difference between our praise and our worship. Praise says, thank you, God, for my house. Thank you for food on my table. Thank you for a car. Thank you for my shoes. Thank you for my kids. But there's a difference between praise and worship. Praise thanks him for what he did. Praise says, thank you, Jesus, for my house. But worship says, even if I don't have a house, even if I don't have a car, even if I don't have the finances, even if I don't have the resources, even if I don't have it, I am going to still worship you. Praise and worship. Praise is what he did. Worship is for who he is. And that's never changing. God, I worship you for who you are. And, 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 this, and Judah, out of the line of Judah came the greatest king of all time. That's King David, the greatest worshiper of the word of God. And also came Jesus out of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Isn't that amazing? Now, King Jehoshaphat, can I tell you one more thing before we move on? In 2 Chronicles 17, so a couple chapters before this, the Bible says that King Jehoshaphat's heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. It says he removed the high places in the Asherah poles from Judah. Meaning, this man was such, such, he was such a worshiper. Judah means the place of praise. So in other words, he removed the idols that were in the place of praise. And many times I think we can bring our idols into our praise. Idols called opinions. This is how I want worship to be done. I would rather Deanna sing. I hate when Christy sings. I want Deanna to sing. I, I, I don't like this style of music. We have our opinions. I don't like the lights. I love the lights. It's too loud. It's too quiet. Come on. I, I want screens or I don't want screens. I'm getting seizures by the lights. We have our opinions and we brought in what King Jehoshaphat did. He was such a godly man. He came in the place of praise and he saw that there were idols. And the Bible says that he removed and tore down the idols in the place of praise. And I think it's time, church, that we let go of how we want God to move and how he's going to do it. And guess what? I will worship God no matter how you want to do it, God. It may be different ways. It may, it may be with an acoustic guitar. It may be with an electric guitar. It may be with some loud drums. But guess what? We cannot worship God and worship our opinions at the same time. God says, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a fresh thing. It's 2018. Get in with the times. I did it like that 10 years ago. But can you let go of your opinions? And this is what the king did. He removed the idols in the place of praise. And then says in chapter 20, I want to go back to the story. So they were fasting, praying. So Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah in Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord. He prayed. And listen to how um, this king prayed. He didn't start begging. He didn't start pleading. God, we need you to do this, please. He goes, Oh, Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people of Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said whenever we are faced with any calamities such as war, plague, famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. You know what he was doing? He was, he was reminiscing 
And he was remembering all that God had brought him through up until this point. So he would have the confidence in God from this point to move forward. He goes, hey, God, didn't you already drive out my enemies in this land? God, didn't you already give me this land and tell me I was going to have it? God, didn't you already give us a temple that we could worship you in? God, didn't you already take me through the fire and I didn't get burned up and I was safe? God, didn't you already take my family from that sickness and, let, and we're okay now and we're healthy and we've been made whole? God, didn't you sustain me when, when I was going through that problem? God, didn't you hold me up when I didn't deserve it? God, when I was about to lose my mind, I should have died. But God, I remember when you were faithful and you loved me and you took care of me. God, I'm just remembering. I think that's good. I don't know if I always pray that way. I think we just need a resume. When, when the enemy comes against us and tries to say stupid stuff, we just need to hold up a resume of all the things that God's done for us. So then when he comes and says, I'm going to do this to you, you could say, no, no, if he did it for me, then he can do it for me right now, huh? He goes, hey, this is the resume. This is what God's done. And it says in verse 10, and now see what the armies of Ammon Moab and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see, for, now see how they reward us. For they have come out to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. Have you ever felt powerless? We don't know what to do. But we are looking to you for help. I don't know what to do, but God, I'm not looking to my pastors. I'm not looking to even my leaders. I'm not looking to my, my parents. I'm not looking to, I'm looking, God, to you for, for rescuing me. No one else can rescue me, God. My eyes are fixed upon you. And verse 13 says, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. How many know the Bible says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? It doesn't matter who you are. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. This random person gets up. God spoke, speaks to him. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, king, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jerel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah, O people of fearless. He is with you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Guess what? He has not brought you to this battle to fight. He's actually brought you to this battle to watch. He goes, hey, you can just come and watch me have the victory. Because guess what? When we rest, what happens? He works and he fights. But when we get in the ring and fight, it's like he's sitting in the chair, in the beach chair going, hey, whenever you're ready, 
I'm here. Didn't you know I'm real strong? I created the universe. Can you let me in? He's powerful enough to go, hey, maybe we're just boxing. And we're in this match. And he's going, I didn't bring you to this battle to fight. I brought you here to rest in victory, not rest physically. Get the spirit of this. Many of us go, oh, I need to take some time off. I need to rest physically and let God do all the work. No, 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 no. That's a lack of self-discipline. We, we have to go, hey, we're going to trust you. Rest God in our position. Not rest physically. Rest in my position. What is my position? He hasn't brought me all the way to this battle to kill me. He hasn't brought me all the way here to leave me stranded. He hasn't left me all the way here to abandon me and leave me out. I have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I have whole, I am more than a conqueror. Is there anybody that's more than a conqueror in here? He says, I want you to rest. You don't have to be frazzled. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be fearful. It says, hey, rest in your position. I am a child of the living God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am seated at the right hand of the Father. I don't have to be in a fury of frustration and anxious. And I don't have to be fearful. I rest. Come on, do you get this? I rest. Even in the craziness, I rest in my position. Take your position, church. Take your position. I'm confident in who you are, God. I'm not insecure in who you are. I'm confident. I'm confident because I know what you did then. You could do it again. I, I, I can fight with confidence. Take your positions. Then it says this in verse 18. Then Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. All the people did the same, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites stood to praise the God of Israel. And they praised. Really proper. And they praised in their minds. I'm praising inside my heart. I'm praising in my mind. Did they say that? Y'all can help me. We can talk back here. They praised really silently. How did they praise? And they praised with a very Loud shout. I have found that praise and worship has little to do with your personality. It has little to do with if I'm outgoing, am I an introvert. It has nothing to do with how I grew up. It has nothing to do with my denomination, how I was raised. It has nothing to do in this room with what age you are. Come on, I believe when you get older, you can be more on fire for God. Come on, all my 30s and overs. Come on. Anybody 30 and over? Is it just me? Come on. My friends over here. Don't leave me hanging. We're the old people. We're old in here, huh? This is crazy. Hey, it has little to do with, with I'm a sanguine, I'm a, I'm a, a phlegmatic, I'm a penguin. What are all those? All the, you know what I'm saying? It has nothing to do with it. It says, it doesn't say certain people. It says, I will praise you with a loud shout. Fearless does not praise God silently. We praise God on. Come on, radical praise. We have big praise. We shout. Can we do that in this room? Can we give God a big, big shout? God, we worship you. Come on, church. We're a worshiping church. Yeah. With a very loud shout. And then it says this. Verse 20. Early the next morning, the army of Judah. So they're, they're about ready to go into battle. They went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, it's like Jehoshaphat, something happened, and he stopped. 
And, and he said, it's almost like he, he sensed there was doubt in the camp. Or he sensed there was, people had unbelief and, and thought maybe we won't really get this or we won't really win this. We're going we're gonna to die out here. And then and he said, listen to me. He said, believe in the Lord your God. And you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Believe. How will we succeed? I thought it was having, you know, the education I needed. I mean, we have all these steps, 10 steps to success. You know, I, I, if I have the right degree, if I have the right amount of money, maybe I can, I can do this. I can su succeed in life, right? I can succeed by having these kind of things, my intelligence or whatever it may be. But actually, it, it throws all those things out when you begin to read that all you have to do is have some faith and believe that God can do what he says he's going to do. And guess what? It's not there's a higher probability that you'll succeed. That the percentages are higher. No, no, no. My Bible says this. And you will succeed. And you will succeed. And you won't die in the battle. How do you move a mountain? With a mustard seed. With this much. Church. Sometimes I get, I'm embarrassing, like as a believer, I, I get so in a fury and so frazzled about things. I get anxious about things, fearful about things. When the Bible says if you just have this much faith, if, if you can just believe in your heart, not doubt it will happen. He goes, you shall have it. You can have it if you just believe this much, this little minute thing can move the mightiest of things. This much, this much, being convinced this much, church, can get this much of a reaction from God. If I'm convinced this much, faith is very concentrated. Faith is very potent. Faith is very powerful. He's saying, hey, you don't need all this faith. This little thing can actually move the mountain. I'm trying to declare faith over you today because some of you don't think he can do it. I'm saying you don't have to have all this faith. It's this, the little size of a mustard seed. It's not God's inability to perform it. It's my inability to see it. Can you see it? Then he can do it. If you can see it, he says, I can do it. I, I, I am God. I can move the biggest things. He goes, can you believe it? Because that's the special ingredient. While you're in this battle right now, whatever you're facing, you don't have to be strong. You just have to believe. Believe God. And then it says this, after consulting the people, verse 21, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. So they're marching up, they're singing. At that very moment, they begin to sing and give praise. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? This is the best part of the story. Ben, you can come up. Because I want to have some time to worship. Y'all ready? We're going to worship. We're going to have like a praise and worship time. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. At that very moment, they began to sing. It wasn't after a couple minutes. It wasn't, something changes in the atmosphere when you begin to worship in the very moment. The atmosphere shifts in the moment. If you're anxious in the moment, I, I dare you to begin to worship. 
When people call me and go, this is what I'm going through, this is what I'm feeling, I go, you need to turn on worship music right now and begin to get your worship on. Because in that very moment, something is released into the atmosphere that makes the enemy know, I cannot mess with that girl. I cannot mess with that man. I cannot mess with that family. I cannot mess with them in that sickness. I can't mess with them. So in that moment, they begin to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies, the opposing people, to start fighting amongst themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. That, that's worth a few more than the two claps. Not a single one of them had escaped. The people they put in front of the army were not the strongest. They weren't the best in battle, you'd think. A common sense, right? Put the people that have been in battle, have the best gear. I want the people that are CrossFit champions. I want black belts in the front. You know what I'm saying? I want these kind of people. I want Rich Mutton in the front of the army. Don't put me. I'm skinny and scrawny, and, and I'll, I'll die really fast. Put, put the big guys, you know what I'm saying? Put them in the front of the army. And guess what they did? I love how the Bible throws out all of our own thoughts on how we want to do it, how we think it should, you know, make sense. This doesn't make sense. He goes, no, no, no. I want you not to put the people that have all the weapons, that are really, really skilled, I think what you should put in front of the army is the worshipers. Actually, those are the people, you'll die if you put the strongest. But actually, you might win the battle, not might. You will succeed in battle if you put the worshipers. I found that it's not the people that are the most religious. It's not about having the most scripture memorized. It's not a, a, about going to church for this amount of years. It's not actually who was saved the longest. That's the people that they wanted in front of the battle. It's none of those religious rules. It, it doesn't have to mean you have to be the best. It just means that I just want a worshiper. I'm just looking and seeking out worshipers. God said, I'm seeking out worshipers. If you seek me, I will seek you out. I will try to find you in the middle of what you're walking through. And I will seek you out. Guess what? God's saying, I don't need the arrow. I don't need a spear. I don't need a sword. I don't need the helmet. I don't need those things don't work. Those aren't the strongest. It is the worship inside of you that begins to knock out the devil in the ring. It is the power of worship. And listen to this. Listen to this. Some of you are really catching this. And this is what I wanted. I, wanted, I want our church to catch not this is just a bunch of emotion. If anything, even if it is emotion, isn't God worth getting emotional about? Isn't he? I hate when people say, you're emotional. Well, he's worth getting emotional about. He's an amazing God. They say that about God, but when they get talk about sports, people don't mind. Get crazy, paint themselves blue, head to toe. When that person doesn't even know you exist. But there's a God who has saved me and restored me and rescued me. He is worth my worship. He is worth my praise. Come on. Now stand your feet, church, because we're done. And we're going to get our worship on. I want you just to let go in your worship. 
I want us to go to another level because I know you're fighting some, some battles right now. Church, everyone is fighting some stuff. And the only weapon you have right now to pull out of your arsenal is the weapon of worship. I'm telling you, so this is what happens. They begin to worship. They don't even see the army yet. They're over the hill. They're worshiping. The army, the opposing army hears the worship. And the Bible says it brought so much confusion into their enemy's camp. They were so confused that they turned on themselves and they started destroying themselves. So when, when, the, when the Judah and the army came up, all they saw in the Bible was a sea. They were already defeated before they even got up to their opponent. Come on. When you begin to worship, it brings confusion into the enemy's camp. And guess what? Your things, your fears, your worries, depression, fear starts destroying itself in worship. Suicide destroys itself in worship. Depression destroys itself in worship. Sickness destroys itself in worship. My worship destroys, destroys. Come on, isn't that worth? Can we lift up our hands? Thank you, Jesus. Just lift them up. I don't want to sing any words yet. I want you to lift up your own words to God. Come on, lift up your own words to God. God, you are my my defender. You are my, my faithful champion. You are my king, God. You are my counselor. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.